Hi everyone and welcome to the Monkey Seat. We are back again and as well as all the news and rumours, we also have an F2 and an F3 preview for you. My name is Tom. And I'm Carl and we come together to entertain you with a weekly podcast while separated by the Irish Sea. This podcast is produced by Mayan Productions and presented by two opinionated friends who like to put the world to rights. As always, feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at MonkeySeatPod. You can email us at MonkeySeatPodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find our new updated website, yep. MonkeySeatPod.com, which yes. we'll explain later why it's updated, but you can even go on now and have a look. Yeah, but this isn't live, so that's fine. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, we'll explain, yeah, well... In the next half hour. Yeah. So it's only minor updates, but we'll get to that later. I mean, it seems quite a big update. Well, it's a couple of nice colours, a couple of bells and whistles, you know. Just change a few fonts, make it look new. (laughs) (laughs) A few odd bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, we'll we'll start off then with with the news before we go into the preview. We're going to preview F2 and F3 this week because we're going to preview F1 next week um, with a special guest, which will also be announced later on. Um, So really. It's all I've thought about, literally. I know, but that's your geekery, and that, that's part of a geek giveaway. Yeah. Next week geekery on the show, is. we have Lewis... Ha- no, I'm just joking. Yeah, um, Lewis Hamilton, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, could you imagine? Oh, I'd, my God. God, I'd have a field day. <laughs> we would have to... I'd, I'd have to get that bleep machine from last week I had to use going, uh, going overboard. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I was in some <laughs> weird place last week. I'm slightly happier this week. Yeah. And not as tired. Considering I made a, I made a joke about Michael Schumacher, and then straight afterwards I had to bleep you. That just shows how bad it really was. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Mr. Williams. Yeah. Anyway, we 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 all love Frank. Yes. Anyway, so um, whilst on the subject of people who are permanently impaired, um, we should really lead <laughs> with an update on Alex Zanardi. Uh, very very sad sorry. story. Um, but. Um, for those of you who are not aware, he's he's been in a serious accident. Uh, it, it is a life-threatening accident. Um, he is in a stable but serious condition, and he's in an induced coma. He had a hand-biking accident, and the doc- his doctors are hoping to evaluate the next stages of his treatment over the next few days. He's uh, he sustained a heavy head injury, um, basically by veering onto the wrong side of the road on a handbike race in Italy it was on a public road uh, there was a vehicle coming in the opposite direction and he's it was a, a a lorry and he's gone under the lorry and got a severe head injury very very serious and he is in intensive care um, it's it's a worrying worrying thing and we hope to see him back soon he's got I mean the man has nine lives I mean I, you know that crash back in 2001 in Germany that just insane I, I look yeah. back at it before we started this and just how he even survived that how he survived he it legs, and how he how he then had the courage to come back into racing and race again in in motorsport and then to go on to be a Paralympic gold medalist as well is just it's just amazing in in a crazy sport that hand cycling is just mental you're so low to the road yeah, and so you know, it's he is an inspiration. He's 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 a crazy man, but he is an inspiration. Um, and yeah, he's in that coma at the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah. Well, chemically induced coma, and it 
it, it's I like just reading through on Autosport, um, and the line that just stuck an apple in my throat. We won't see what his neurologic state is until he wakes up. Hyphen if he wakes up. Yeah, it just Jesus it does kind Christ. of bring it home just just how serious it is, and that um that he might not he might not come through it, which okay. we we obviously we all hope he does. Um, it's it, it's I you know I, I don't know what it is with Formula One stars and head injuries that are not related to Formula One or motorsport. It's it is mental that it's another person that's got another head injury and another neurological issue. Yeah. With Michael Schumacher and now, you know, I, I I'm hoping we'll hear a bit more about Sonardi's, um as he hopefully gets better. Yeah, he'll. I don't think he'll be quite as as shut off as as Michael Schumacher injury. I mean, he's been. he's he's not only a Formula One star; he's a Paralympian. Yeah, know, and to be honest, he wasn't really a fan. In, he was sorry, fan. He wasn't really a star in Formula One. Um, yeah. He was more of a star in in IndyCar and American racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where he's kind of made his name. He came to. Formula he was one. in Formula One, though. He was it? in Formula One. He came into yeah. Formula One with um, with lot, lots of promise. Um, two spells in Formula One, but it it just didn't work out for whatever reason. He could never quite get it to work. He raced for Williams uh, in his second spell, but he just couldn't um, couldn't get to grips with Formula One for some reason. In every other sport he was involved in, including including non motorsport related sports, you know, he he succeeded and was phenomenal but just in formula one it never really worked that, for some reason maybe it's that marketing pressure and things like that maybe. that happens you know you you have to be you have to have a personality and god as much as i hate him hate a strong word but dislike him lewis hamilton does have that personality um, he's a very marketable person danny ricardo has that personality oh he's got it in Mark space Webber, david coulthard all have those personalities you know, um, Eddie Jordan, you know, even um, Horner, you know, people that are in that system have big personalities hmm. um, and big egos. And I don't know whether he just doesn't have that. He's just a good racer. And sometimes no, I think it was not... with Zanardi's career, he was he was up against some good teammates. But it just he just didn't seem to there was I remember there was a time that he they'd actually gone back to steel brakes because he couldn't get used to the feel of carbon fiber brakes. It was just kind of, I just don't think he ever kind of got to grips with the technology of formula one at the time, whether he would have been better at it later on in his career, but obviously we'll never know because, because of his accident meant kind of put pay to him ever being able to try again in formula one. But the fact that he's, he's become a Paralympian gold medalist in, I, I think he may have been 50 when he got his gold medal. Um, yeah. and the fact he's 53 years old now and, and he's still competing he just has this drive to compete at the highest possible level and yeah. and then this this was to happen just what was seemingly I mean they have said that the truck driver did nothing wrong um, it was Zanardi's mistake which is which has led him to but obviously you, know, you don't want to you don't want someone to make one mistake and then end up being in the condition he's in hopefully as, as I say our thoughts go out to anyone connected to him and we we hope to to see him make a speedy recovery yeah absolutely and and you know uh, yeah no one wants that at all and you know he's a great man a great athlete 
and should you know we hope that he's he stays with us anyway should we move on to slightly more positive things um the indycar um they have announced that they are going to be welcoming fans at the is this positive is this positive or well, is this the most it may, ridiculous it may thing be you've ever fucking heard? Like, it may be seriously. positive as in it may be positive as in a positive result for COVID nineteen. Um, like, it seems a bit soon to me. Seventeenth of July, um, at the Iowa Speedway, they are going to be welcoming fans. Yes, it will be. It will be under different conditions. It will be under social distancing conditions. Hygiene, okay. uh, safety precautions, all kinds of things like that. But still, actually, Iowa isn't doing too bad. To be fair on itself, currently twenty-five thousand cases, and I know I'm going to put this in inverted commas. Only six hundred and eighty-five deaths. Mm. That isn't actually that bad. But the problem, the problem I've got of... with this is that. It doesn't matter how Iowa are doing. It's the people coming into Iowa that's that's the risk because yeah. they're. It's not like they're just holding tickets open to to people in the Irons. local community. Yeah. They are honouring all the previously purchased tickets. So these people could be coming from anywhere, and uh, they could be bringing all America. kinds of stuff with them. You know, or, or, you know, it just seems it just seems too soon, given that they're saying that racing may not may not return in Texas in October, which is, you know, October, November, which is when they would be doing the USA Grand Prix, we might not, in Formula One, might not even go to America this year, and yet they're on about allowing fans in in July. It just seems insane. And the next county, next county along, Illinois, has 6,875 deaths. You know, mm. it's not like they're a little island that's in the middle of nowhere. Mm. It really is insane. Yeah, it doesn't. It does seem. It does seem, as I say, far too soon. Only a limited number of tickets will be available for the upcoming race weekend, with each group of fans in attendance separated by at least six feet of distance. How are they going to do that? Everyone in a pen, and if you're with your mate, ah, oh, it doesn't. And like with these things, like Tom, me and you are friends. We don't live in the same country, and if we could, in theory, buy tickets together and go off and yep, be in the same. Ten. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Or we could have bought tickets before all this kicked off and still intend to go. But if you want tickets, uh, you can go online through iowaspeedway.com. If you want COVID-19. Or phone 866 Single day tickets starting as low as $15 if you want to contract COVID-19. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 15 quid for COVID. $15. And And if you don't want to go there, they're giving away free tickets to the Donald Trump yeah <laughs> sorry we're not getting political but we don't do Christ. politics on this podcast oh my god like what is wrong with these i mean i am i gonna have the same rant in about six weeks time and eight weeks time when they suddenly decide i don't even know what the third race is of the f1 i can't think it could it, it thinks it could be you so know. detrimental if this causes another spike in or or a spike in iowa it's, can you imagine people could people could die because people wanted to race cars fast in a circle or and, watch cars yeah. race fast in a circle yeah and it just seems so i know there's an element of risk in everything you do in life and you can't box yourself into a you know in, into a into a little bubble no. and look after yourself and everything. but if you have something as a genuine risk and you can avoid it then avoid it you know you don't 
close your eyes when you're crossing the street is to think, oh, well, you get run over at any time. You know, yeah. you take precautions, reasonable precautions, and that, to I mean, me, seems unreasonable. Especially as what is really annoying is Indy seemed to be doing so well in showing the masks and everything on... Yeah, they did a fantastic job in the opening race in the Genesis you know, 300. So I don't suddenly understand as to why this is back, you know. Yeah. Um, but I may be holding, you know, the, the, the COVID thing is moving very quickly mm-hmm. and changing quite quickly yeah i know in ireland we're now looking at opening up um competitive sports and close contact sports and things and Um, the most important thing that that i've heard today is that from the start of july they're going to allow they're going to allow weddings with up to 30 people so that's good oh well 30 yeah with up to 30 people that's in july so does that we had this discussion over here does that include all the staff I don't think it can because otherwise it would be a yeah you just get loads Precisely. of staff working there don't you that's what I'm thinking like if 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 it's 30 people and you're counting barmen waitresses cooks mm. but then I suppose they're technically not at the wedding are they they're behind they're in their own but they're still socially, on the ven- at the venue yeah they're at the venue but they're in their own socially distanced kind of pockets or well, wherever they're working aren't they? waiters aren't they but and barmen I'm not sure and how the priests, they would. Yeah. Or I guess that would that would kind of be taken. There into we go. Account. We've gone on some really random tangent now. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's an interesting tangent. We've we've gone from um, Iowa to weddings. Yeah, sorry so, about that. Yeah, also bars are opening in the UK. That's great. Yeah, and you can get your hair cut as well. I just saw. That's news to me. Hang on, what was it? I saw it on BBC. Sorry, PM lifts hairdressers and pubs can will reopen. Restaurants, hairdressers, pub will open on the fourth of July. Two metering distancing rule will now be reduced to one meter because obviously it just can't be asked to go any further than two, one meter anymore. Cinemas, museums, and other attractions will reopen, but not close proximity venues like indoor gyms. Yeah, that sounds sounds fair to me. And world tennis number one, Djokovic, test positive. Yes, I saw that. I there saw that go. just just There's before we logged on. I saw that. Unrelated news. Unrelated to Formula One. Yeah. I mean, okay. Should we get actually? Oh, sorry. Motorsport. Full stop. Should we get back yeah. onto something that actually? Uh, the Iowa thing is completely ridiculous. And so, in one way, I'm glad that it's. I'm glad it's happening over there, and then we can see what happens with Formula One, mm. um, and see what happens over in the future. Um, I just hope everyone's safe. I hope everyone yeah. is precautionary, and they do it very sensibly. Yeah. And we don't watch a race that's got, you know, 20,000 people or whatever. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see. I'm, obviously, I'll be watching it, but it's going to be interesting to see what they, and what they actually the do with speedway, it. And this is the speedway, And how they're going to protect people, because I just hope that they do... Yeah, it's it's a speedway, so it's not like it's a track circuit where like have whole areas and extend grandstands out or anything like that. It's, a, it's, an, enclo- it's an arena. It's an outdoor arena, so... They're going to have to severely limit capacity, but they're saying they're honouring all tickets currently sold. So unless they had a very small amount of tickets already sold in advance, and they're just well, honouring those tickets. Did. I mean, yeah, a lot of people. In a, like, I wonder if IndyCar has that thing as the opposite thing to Formula One, where people don't people just decide whether they're going to go within that, you know, couple of nights yeah. or a couple of weeks or months beforehand. 
compared, you know, potentially. I mean, especially if you're only looking at fifteen to twenty dollars a ticket, that might yeah, well be. Very cheap, you know, they yeah. they just do that last minute. Yeah, it's not as mm. it's not like Formula One where you can't get a ticket for love or money two yeah. years in advance. You know. Yeah. So a uh, bit bit of Formula One news though. I didn't I didn't put on the uh, on the running order, and we're going to talk about it for precisely six seconds. Uh, they're going to debut new TV graphics. Right, let's talk about it for six seconds. Why six seconds? I can't even talk about it for six seconds. I'm mostly going to complain. I mean, so what? Right, it's you're done. Gritty. Well done. You're done. You've like, spoken about it. You've said everything that needs saying about that. It's boring. I started reading the article. I'm like, I, I was for oh, good, breaking news right before we record. Nope, this is boring as hell. This is dull. We're not going to talk about it. So that's it. There's no good, one cares. There might, there might be some new graphics on screen for when Formula 1 happens, and it, it looks like they're going to be really geeky and dull. Now, I know, like, I am geeky and dull, kind of, to a, <laughs> to a, you know, by definition, that is me. So surely I'm going to I'm gonna love this. But, yeah, it's boring. It's dull. Um, yeah, that's it. There'll be some new flashy graphics on screen. Look out for them. You'll be excited. No, you won't. Um, right, moving on because that was dull. Um, should we look at some Formula E news? Because we've actually got some. Shocking. Yeah. Um, well, there's two bits of Formula E news. And I th- yeah. No, we didn't talk about this last week. Did we read the six races and... Nope, we days? didn't. We spoke about it Sorry, briefly I, over that, WhatsApp. That must have... Yeah, that, and that must have come within the day after because it feels like about... This, this news feels like a year old. Yeah, six races, In nine, nine days... days all in Berlin on a disused um, on a disused not in a purpose built track on a disused airfield great um, it's like three lots of three days I don't even know what the dates are 5th, 6th, 8th, 9th, 12th and 13th which is yeah which is a 5th and 6th Wednesday, Thursday Saturday, Sunday and a Wednesday, Thursday no one is going to watch any of that I don't even know if it's going to be on TV I think Benzel. it is on TV because they got it's uh, they have a TV deal, so I think it has to be on TV. But yeah, so it's... what is it going to be on Sky? Uh, I can't remember who's got the rights. I think the BBC still have the rights, or is it BT Sport? No, BBC's never had the rights. No, they have. They definitely have had the rights because it was on Red Button and it was on iPlayer. Um, oh right. Oh sorry. When yeah, they might have had the rights deep in the darkness. Yeah, but I mean yeah, maximum of thousand people on site at any given time. So that includes all drivers and and teams and no, and no it includes staff. everyone, suppliers. Yeah, and support staff and crews, yeah. Any government yeah, I mean, I think it's anything. I think it's great that they're able to get the season finished because I mean yeah. the fact that it's just going to be six races, you know, it's say six races in nine days at the same track. I mean, it looks like they're going to be using. I mean, I thought the F one races being in the same place for two days is going to be dull as, but six. I mean, and they're not even changing anything. They're literally just. I don't quite understand the reasoning for this. Yeah, I mean they've they're, they're looking at making slight changes to the course for for the different races, but it just seems seems a bit odd, really, to do. I, I'd say it's great that they're actually able to finish the season, but I don't get why they have to do. We have to squeeze everything into those nine days. Well, if it's safe, it's... if it's safe to race, then they can race. Why can't they do it in a couple of different locations? But to do six in the same, I just. For me, you know, that you talk about having a season closed off and it and it being well, is it actually a genuine championship win? And I think that championship is always going to be a 
I don't want to say a cheap championship because it's the same for everyone, but it's always going to be, well, you know, that person wouldn't have won that championship had it been under normal conditions. That's always going to be the case with that kind yeah. of thing. You might just have someone who is particularly good on those streets and then they might end up winning three races and then just blitzing the championship as a result. It just seems a bit of an unfair way to, to close it off. It's better than not having anything at all. But I've just realised something. It's on the same weekend as Silverstone. Um, yeah, it will be. But Formula E and Formula One don't really try and avoid each other's race weekends. I get that, but when you've got the whole bloody... When you're trying to cram everything into one, why hit it on and, and put it... If it was in America and there was a time difference and things, it just seems ridiculous. What is it with people? What is wrong with everyone at the moment? <laughs> like, I just don't get it. You're being ranty McRant face again, aren't you? I just, there's lots of things I just don't get, but that's one thing I don't get as to why they are going on similar championships on at the similar time with similar cards with, in theory, similar fans. I just don't overly get it, but you know, it is what it is, and I, I'm glad that it's back, but I think it's just a really random system, and I, I. I don't know what box they're ticking by doing nine races or trying to get... Why do they need to get well, up yeah, to 11? Well, yeah, because they've... Why do they need to get up to 11? Well, they've why? done... Uh, how many races have they done? Is it two races or four races? Um, they've done five. Have they done five? I'm yeah, just having a, I'm just having a quick glance now. They've um, done five because we've got round six to 11. Right, okay. Yeah, just looking at the race calendar. Yeah, so, they, so they've got five, five races down. So that's... Yeah, so it's going to put up to 11. It seems a bit odd... It's you need eight races to constitute a championship yeah. by FIA rules. Okay, so you could have done three races, right? Yeah. So the, yeah, in, they, in they just need to. So why have they done? Sorry, especially as there's no competitor. Uh, sorry, no, there's no um, audience. There's no. I just don't. I don't get it. Anyway. Yeah. Things Carl doesn't get. Yeah, and that's one another one. one. There's another one. You know. But moving on to Maybe. something that someone does get, yes. Jamie, Jamie Chadwick has got... No, 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 no. There's more news from Formula E. Oh, okay. We have more news from Formula Sorry. E. Sorry. We'll come back um, to Jamie Chadwick. Yes. Back, back, back. Right. And other news on Formula E. Provisional 2020 slash 2021 calendar, although it is all in 2021. Fantastic. For one. For one... <laughs> For once, um, normally Formula E spans two years. Um, it's a bit weird. But we now have a new calendar uh, starting in January. It's a very winter-based one. Starting in January in Santiago, January the 16th. Then February the 13th in Mexico City. Then 26th and 27th at Diarrhea. How's that? <laughs> Where is that diarrhea? That is the oh, that is in the Middle East somewhere. It's the, it sounds like it's, it's in Diria, Diria, Diria. Sorry. Yeah. Um, once again, Carl. I think that's Saudi. Announce. That's Saudi. That's oh, Saudi, it's Saudi Arabia. Arabia. It's yeah. a town in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so Saudi. Thirteenth um, of March, Sonia. Uh, Rome is the next one. That is um, China. Uh, then Rome, but that's subject, that's subject to yeah. circuit homologation, which I presume is 
a street race, so they're not sure what they, whether they can even. Yeah, I, I know a lot of these are street races. It just needs ratifying, basically. Yeah, is what that means. Twenty uh, fourth is Paris, eighth is Monaco. Then, for some reason, they go back to the um, to the east and go to Seoul. Mm-hmm. Um, then the fifth of June is to be confirmed. To be confirmed then, next weekend. Maybe that's going to be nine races in Germany. Oh, Jesus. Um, then Berlin on the nineteenth. New York City on the 10th, and then the 24th and 26th, the London E3 1 and 2. Um, Double header. That is the most... I mean, for a, for a championship that is trying to be green, they're all over the bloody place. Yeah, it does seem... A bit, I mean, they, they were supposed to be doing everything in a way that was... Uh, in, a, in a way that was um, efficient. And that doesn't seem the most efficient way of traveling around the world no it really doesn't like i just don't get why uh why is it what what is today just things that don't make any sense yeah potentially um but i love it's the provisional 2020 21 formula e calendar and it starts in 2021 so why why don't just lose the 2020 yeah so santiago is chile so chile up to mexico city is fine then across to to chile saudi arabia Mexico, Saudi Arabia, China, back to Europe. Okay, three races in Europe. Then South Korea. Then wherever to be confirmed is, I'm going to guess, Australia. Or somewhere over that neck of the woods. I don't think they I do don't know if there is Australia. one. It's, it's but just I wonder a, what that's going to be. A another. Somewhere else. A highest another. Bit, highest bit. Then back to Europe for Berlin. Then... Well, we could be just back across the and do London. York. No, we're going to do New York. And then we're going to come back to London. Okay, whatever. I give up. I literally give yeah. up. What? Like I don't want to live on this planet anymore. What is wrong with these people? Like I get they're trying to fit races in with other calendar dates, and there's a whole load of other things, but it just seems a bit for the sake of it, and it yeah. feels. See, a Formula bit... E is going to be affected more by this COVID nineteen pandemic because they stretch their season over two years. They're actually going to have two seasons heavily affected by this. Um, yeah. I know you'll get um, like, excuse me, you'll get local sports like football, soccer will be affected over two seasons purely because the first season will end later. As a result, the second season will have to start later. But that's a, that's a minimal impact. Whereas this is actually going to heavily affect Formula E because it means they're going to have to finish their season in sort of July and then they're effectively sitting there for six months without doing anything and it's just mm. it's it always a bit of an enigma for me the Formula E calendar I was, I was going to watch every race this year as you know part of the research for this podcast as well uh, and obviously yeah. everything getting stopped that kind of put a bit of pay to that I did watch the uh, Diria Grand Prix or E-Prix I beg your pardon um, I was looking forward to seeing how how that goes but it, for me they just seem to operate in such a very strange way and and like the season as well, where you you have two races, then you have nothing for about three months, and then there'll be five races in in five weeks, and then there'll be nothing for three months. It's just this doesn't seem to be a flow to it. And I think if you if you're trying to attract fans and keep fans, you need to have yeah. a certain uniformity to it and a certain schedule. I mean, and, you know, people that seems people get like... used to it. And if if you don't have anything, I remember when when Formula One would have. I remember when Formula One would have like a, a one race and then a five week break and you just kind of, you just drop out of it and 
you just kind of lose interest effectively I because mean, you don't have it the, for so the, long. The provisional calendar seems quite nice. You know, there's a few weeks gaps, but you know, there's it's quite spaced out quite nicely. It is strange to start in winter and yeah. then go through the whole of winter pretty much into spring and then eventually into summer. It sort of does sort of make sense, although your first European race is going to be in Rome and that's going to be very wet and windy, but, you know, I think. But it doesn't feel too bad. I just think it's a bit... And Argent, obviously Argentina yeah, this... and Mexico being on the equator and not in, on, on, on sorry south of the equator so their winter is our summer and mexico will be warmer in january having gone there actually 16th of january is my um anniversary yes it is um uh, married i'm <laughs> married um and having been to mexico it's not actually that cold in mexico in january no um so it's sort of it's not too bad. Yeah, it is the most um, the most evenly spaced out calendar I've seen. Now. I mean, you got one one race middle of January, three in February, one in March, two in April, two in May, two in June, and three in July. So it is actually fairly spaced out for once, which is nice. And yeah. I think that that is that's the best thing about the calendar. But the fact that the way it's the way it's jumping around the world just doesn't seem to yeah. make sense. I think. I do think that the way Formula One have tried to get their calendar together this year, as in doing you know a big patch of races in Europe and then going and doing some in different areas. I hope that continents. stays. Yeah, me too. And um, I think they just need to take a sensible pill and actually make it happen because that yeah. actually does. And and also I think it'll promote better racing as well because it means that the big teams can't just say, oh, um, you know, we we've done our race in in uh, in Bahrain you know our next race is in China in three weeks and oh we're also going to bring a raft of updates for that you know it's if you if you're on a continent then you can't just ship spare parts out to them because yeah. if you're if you're all basically if you're effectively doing three back-to-back weekends in one continent all close together then it means yeah. that everything is there and you're you have to go with what you've got you can't you know you can't ring the factory and say ship out another ship out another front wing to us because yeah. you know you're the other side of the world so I, I hope they do kind of adopt that taking the lead from what you know it's we can get some kind of benefit out of what we've all had to you know had to sit through and and been subjected to over the last few years um anyway so that's that kind of i think that will change quite drastically and i don't quite believe that as a anything like a final option um, well, there's only two so provisional, really only two provisional races on that calendar. Everything else seems to have been ratified. I don't know. I I just feel that that doesn't feel as set as it should. Hmm. Uh, okay. Personally, at the moment, but that's my that's... personal opinion. Go on then. Let's talk about Jamie. Everybody's Jamie. talking about Jamie. Jamie Chadwick. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> See what I did there. I I um, do. I do. So um, me and Carl. No one else to get that. Yeah, me and Carl, as well as being uh, as well as being motorsport enthusiasts, weirdly in another life, we're also musical enthusiasts, (laughs) which which go go hand in hand. You know, motorsport, motorsport musicals go hand in hand. So suffice to say, I was very disappointed when I went to see Hamilton. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Where's the cars? (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be watching that. Definitely. Yes, I'm going to be stealing your Disney. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm going to get my own Disney and not steal yours. That's not what I'm doing. 
Yeah. Um, <clears> I'll, <throat> I'll send you yeah. the details later. Thank you, mate. <laughs> um, uh, Jamie Chadwick. Um, I don't know much about this young lady. Apart I from... saw. Um, I tuned into British Formula Four a couple of seasons ago and watched watched a race. What and then there was, uh, you know, they were just saying, "Oh, various people were racing." And then it's only when the podium came up at the end, I was like, "Oh, one of them's a girl." Yeah, Jamie. I I when we first talking about this, I, and Jamie Cherry, I was like, uh, "And and actually, yeah, it's a female." Yeah, which um, is great. Which, it's great, and uh, I've, I have to admit, I've just done a bit of reading up on her. She won the W Series, yes, um, which... which is part of Roading Cars sort of series. And Roading Cars are, I can't quite work it out, and if anyone knows on this as to what Roading Cars are, Roading Cars seem, they're, they're owned by a guy called David Dicker, and I can't help but not laugh. Yeah. Um uh, who owned Dicker Data, um, and lo- he lo- obviously loves alliteration, or his family love alliteration. But coming from a family who likes alliteration, um, he he seems he runs, creates his own open wheeled race car. Um, mm-hmm. But he is he also I think trying to find a way into Formula One um, without buying a without buying a car i think i think he's gonna try and get in there somehow he's coming in with he, he's he's basically paying for her to come in um into the italian prema team which, yeah, which which is really good because prema have brought some great people into formula one antonio giovanazzi and charles Leclerc both came through the um both came through the prema program they seem to yeah. be a bit of a they've got an affiliation with ferrari which so if she's got Ferrari backing behind her, then that's I mean. Well, yeah, she's on a team that that she has a she has, she's obviously going to be in the eyesights of Ferrari. It is really exciting. I do wonder if she's going to end up in um, the Fiat team eventually. Um, Potentially. And and before she ever goes near Ferrari. Um, oh yeah, obviously... she'd end up with, if, she, if she were to make it to Formula One through the um, through the Prima team, then she would be into Alfa Romeo. Oh, Alfa Romeo, sorry, not Fiat. Yeah, I knew Alfa what you Romeo. meant. I, I just didn't want to correct you. Make they... you sound like an idiot. Yeah, sorry, you can make me sound like an idiot. <laughs> um, every week, Carl. <laughs> yeah, good point. I think she's gonna be interesting. See, my my only concern with this now, I hang on. She's also a development driver for Williams F1. She has done some development driving for, for Williams, yeah. I would absolutely love there to be some female racers in F1. I, I think that's um, that's what what we need to help grow the brand. And yeah, um, it just it it just baffles me. It's also what I love about motorsport is that men, women, all races, all you know, all kind of levels. Even if you even if you have uh, a disability in some forms you can compete on a level playing field with everyone else and that's what i love about motorsport so i just really want there to be a good female driver in formula one now unfortunately because there are so many people that want to be motorsport drivers Mm -hmm. formula one drivers proportionately you have 20 30 40 people that come into formula one and probably two of those 40 people are any good 
Yeah. Now, if you think about or the make proportion, the level. yeah. So, if you think about the proportion of people that are of those that are women, that means you're probably only going to get like 0.01% of women will make it to Formula One due to the proportion of well, 0.000 yeah. at the yeah. moment because yeah. <laughs> there's not been exactly. a single F1 well, there has racer. Been, there has been... Sorry, Wolf Wolf was in a practice race. In in recent memory, yeah, there's been two others. Um, oh, is Lom- there? Yeah, Lombardi and there was another one. I can't remember her name now. Uh, one person scored half a point. Oh so wow! Did you score <laughs> half record... a point? Uh, yeah, there's, there's there's sometimes half point races um, if oh, half right. points are awarded. Um, but yeah, so oh, yeah, Lila been... Lombardi in 1976. Yeah, that's the one. And there's, there was one other one as well. But yeah, see, it's not not been since the 70s and 80s we've not had any Formula One female racing drivers of any you know of any merit but what i don't want to see is the positive discrimination of oh she's a woman get her in the car because then you put someone in the car who's not ready and not up to the standard and they end up three four five seconds a lap off that is going to be so damaging to women in formula one we need to get the best women seen by the top teams get them the backing, get them to the level, and then when the time is right, bring them into Formula One. And then that... And I think this is this is, should also be for any ethnicity. Yeah, absolutely. Any, Not just any, anyone. There's, uh, it, is, it is horrid how... And, and I know we're not getting political, and, and, and it's hard at the moment not to get political with what's going on in the world. But there is no BAME members. Well, there's in, one. In F1, oh well, apart from Hamilton, sorry, there is one, Hamilton, but there's certainly none in the management teams. There's none in anything, you know. I think the nearest I managed to find, because this was our top three this week, was the head of Honda. <laughs> um, <laughs> was was the nearest to team management that I could find that um, that would. Um, affiliate with the BAME system and and but I feel that there's a absolute lack of ethnicities of the sexes of any um, the, the, of any person of any sexual orientation I, I don't know many of the sexual orientation but they seem very much straight white males yeah, there's not within been, this industry there's not been anyone in Formula 1 that's ever come out and I'm no, not, to my knowledge, not. there's not been anyone who's come out post-career either. There may well have been, but not to my knowledge. And I would and, love and, to I be... know there is. I know there is a there is a racer that is transgender. Um, a, cat, a cat, I think her name is. Um, I'll find out who who she is. But um, and if someone can tell me who's doing quite well in, she's doing Le, uh, Le Mans. Name is Le um, She's doing Le Cats out the bag now. Everyone knows um, we love musicals, Carl. Yeah, sorry. Oh, anything but that show. Um, she knows Le um She's doing Le and But I just feel that there is a lack of diversity. That's the word I'm really yeah, looking absolutely. for. absolutely. Within anything. And although you're right that there it is the best of the best, I think there is not enough promotion within the industry for diversity if you look at football if you look at rugby there is a high a much higher level of diversity in those sports in pretty much any other sport 
basketball, American I think football. Is, I think there is in ethnicity, but not in sex. Cricket. But even in, in sexuality, there is as well. There's, you know, um, Gavin, Gavin, whatever his name is from Wales, came out as gay post having race. And there's a whole, there's a whole, I saw on Amazon of like sporting films you might enjoy. And being Pride Week at the moment, or Pride Month, um, there is one about, you know, a, a whole rugby team that is made up of gay men. I just, I, and, and, there is lots of. I just feel that motorsport has been left behind in the dark ages by diversity, and I know we're not getting political on this, but I think that needs to change. And yeah, with everything going on in the world, that should be the impetus to change. But it is an important thing as well. I don't want this to be a a political thing, but it is a is a motorsport issue. So yeah, I think it's oh, worth, it's not it's just F one. I think there's not yeah. there's nothing even in NASCAR. Um, you know, that there, there isn't. I think there's one, maybe, um, and and I don't know if there's any in IndyCar. To be honest, I think there's a, there's, there's, there's a few. Yeah, there's a few people in IndyCar of um. Of, but of it's. Bain. But I just feel it's embarrassing. You know, when this is meant to be a world championship and everyone comes from middle class, middle class, England and Europe. The a problem lot of is the, time. the 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 roots of motorsport come from rich white males and it's kind of it's been very hard for people to break into that over the years but well this is probably you're 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 saying about karting and things like that more in that sense it needs to come from the grassroots you need to get if um the the problem is they they'll say oh we 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 don't care about race color creed sex whatever we take the best people for the job which i completely agree is what they do most you know 99 percent of the time they pick the best person for the job um but the problem comes when you're not getting the people of these ethnic minorities and sexes involved in the sport at the earliest level and that's where they need to improve that if they're getting people involved you know you've you've got the You've you've got your young kids at the cart track. If they are of a more diverse background, and you make that more accessible to everyone, yeah. building the but, cart tracks in the right is places like and cart track. I mean, there's a cart track we 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 were filming in my very middle England on the Crown, um, and but we we're filming in in central London. There was a cart track right next door to us. You know, they are, and that we were on a on a if I could say a housing estate you know system and there was a cart track there and i'm hoping that those type of people are wanting to be in racing wanting to be in sport and but also i think feel it's really strong to get the engineers in to get the technical team in for those that are a lot more technical based and those clever um diverse people that are out there that just are not being looked at on in in this respect and it doesn't feel like and it feels like even that you know williams you know claire williams being head female um had had been one of the big female heads it doesn't feel like williams is even that diverse if you watched her film there's no other women in that show really yeah of high position um and I don't know if it's just because of them not finding their, as you said, not finding their way into that role, or whether it's because 
they don't want to be in that right i just i don't know it it is upsetting and it's something that and and you know i understand that this now this w series for female-led formula one racing team but backed and created by males do you know what i mean the only women in those team are the racers yeah you know and and actually without being harsh the more diversity you can get in the teams the more diverse the drivers will be in my opinion yeah absolutely and it's getting those people involved at grassroots level anyway there's my non-political political rant yeah and I'm so sorry that's it that for politics no more politics allowed today that's it no more <laughs> not for not for at least two weeks that's it we've no, got a ban on two. politics for two weeks well, but back to jamie chadwick um basically it's just congratulations on her um for, yeah, for getting that and hopefully well. you know she can she can impress and you know without the need of positive discrimination she can get the you know, get the backing get the view get the viewers and get herself into formula one i'd love to see that i really would love yeah, to see that too. right and I, I would also love her to check her instagram and actually get back to us uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she hasn't done that so you know you never know yeah she's not going to um, be the guest on next week's show <laughs> no um f uh, she's going into f3 is she she is going into f3 yeah so let's have an f3 preview of this year then shall we okay Right, so Formula 3 and Formula 2 preview then. We'll do it all as one, uh, all kind of mi- mixed in together. Um, what, to anyone who isn't aware, Formula 2 and Formula 3 follow the Formula 1 circus around. Normally for 10 to 15 races a season, they have two races per race weekend. and So they have double the amount. Yeah, but they don't have as many overall races. They don't tend to go to as many as the flyaways as Formula 1. Uh, they tend to stick mostly in Europe with the odds race elsewhere. Normally it's Abu Dhabi, Bahrain, one or two others, and then sort of five or six races in Europe based because of cost reasons. They want to keep the cost down. Um, so Formula 2 is much closer to to the Formula 1 um, level than the Formula 3. Um, Formula but they're all spec cars, aren't they? They are, they are all spec cars, all to the same uh, FIA-affiliated championships, and they uh, they operate to the same rules and safety specifications as FIA affiliated Grade A series do. To race in there, you have to have a Grade A or Grade B license, which is the step below Super license. So you you can't just get any Tom Dick or Harry in there. You have to have done a reasonable amount of racing to get into F2 and F3. Now we said about Jamie Chabot going into F3. She's going into um, she's going into regional F3, not international F3. So she's not in the upcoming Formula 3 series, from what I can make out. Um, the the diff- main difference with Formula 3 race uh, teams to Formula 2, and Formula 1 for that matter, is that you don't have two two-car teams. You tend to have three-car teams in Formula 3, sometimes four-car teams. Um, ART have got three this year, but they had four a couple of years ago. Um so the main difference really so dimension wise formula 2 cars um are 5000 millimeters so 5 meters long um uh, by just by just under 2 meters wide so they're slightly narrower than formula 1 cars and slightly shorter uh their overall weight is 755 kilograms including the driver on board so again slightly lighter than formula 1 cars they run a v6 3.4 liter single turbocharged same mecha chrome but and it's a renault still, engine do they all have the same engine yeah yes so um all of the cars are identical the only thing that's different is the paint job and the setup 
and then they so if you have the best car it's because you've got the best team and they they maximize what they've got performance of these f2 cars you can accelerate from 0 to 100 kilometers in 2.9 seconds which is pretty quick um, and 0 to 200 kilometers in 6.6 seconds to a maximum speed of 335 kilometers per hour speedy. yeah they are quick they are literally a step down from formula 1 and because one. they're lighter as well they'll be you know yeah um, they run a six-speed longitudinal sequential gearbox um, with hydraulic command paddle shift steering wheels. So basically, it's your whole kind of really cool paddle shift gearbox. So yeah. um, they also this year new for F2 is they have 18-inch 18-inch rim wheels, which I'm really looking forward to seeing because that's what's going to come into Formula One. They currently run 14-inch rims in Formula One, so it's going to be the 18-inch rims in Formula so Two. To, uh, I, my understanding of the, the the rim is the set middle yeah, section of the tire. That's the hub. But the the, the the actual tire is quite thick on it. Yeah, but there'll be lower profile. Oh, so we're going lower profile. Yeah. Is that the plan? Yeah. So it's going to be low profile tires, but 18 inch rims. So the actual wheels themselves, entirety, including the tires, are going to be no bigger than what they used to be. But the rims are going to be bigger, and that's much more towards road relevance because you can't get 14 inch rim tires for road cars anymore they you yeah. have to order them in especially they're very hard to get hold of but 18 inch rims um are very common now i think mine are 22 <laughs> yeah well yeah but you've, you've you've got a chelsea tractor so um so in comparison to f3 f3 is much more of a compromise between performance and cost effectiveness wherever possible quoted directly from the formula 3 website um, they also have a sequential gearbox and electrohydraulic gear shift systems. Um, and what's interesting with F3 is they have high-speed data acquisition system, which but the, that does not include telemetry. So basically, they get all the information from the car, like black box recording, the same as Formula One, but the team can't see that, not until after the event. So they can't then say, oh, your pressures are low or your temperatures are high. It's much more driver-dependent, which makes it a much more pure form of racing. Formula 3 um, have got a uh, bespoke Mechachrome, so Renault, again, six-cylinder, 3.4-litre, naturally aspirated engine, so it's not a hybrid. Uh, Top speed of 300 kilometres an hour, so still pretty rapid. It's only 35 kilometres less than the the F2 cars. Um, 0 to 100 in 3.1 seconds, so again, only 0.2 of a second slower, and accelerate to 200 kilometers is 7.8 seconds so that's another second on top of that um and again similar gearbox now the weekend structure the difference between formula 2 and formula 3 um and formula 1 for that matter you've got one practice session in formula 2 which is a 45 minute practice session the same in formula 3 have a single session qualifying session in f2 of 30 minutes and f3 um so that's the same and then you have, as I said, you have two races a weekend. So in Formula 2, you have a race, race one, which is called the feature race, is 170 kilometers or an hour, whichever comes first. 170 kilometers or an hour. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that will depend on how many laps there are. So if you say, for example, you'll have more laps on the shorter tracks than the longer tracks. But that does mean that 
if on the short on the on the longer tracks if they're street tracks like say singapore which formula two don't go to but just using that as an example then you would run very close to your hour limit because 170 kilometers around singapore where you're driving very very slowly or you could say as monaco as an example you would very likely hit the 60 minute one safety car and you're probably going to be over your time so what happens then is if the time elapses when the time runs out during the lap the driver will finish that lap as he crosses the line that becomes his last lap so you could have a whole lap difference in theory well no just it's just as the as the as the timer goes to zero the yeah. guy who's leading the race the next time he crosses the line that becomes oh, his last the lap. guy who's leading the race okay yeah um so similar to formula one you have to use two compounds of tire in the feature race in f2 uh, so there's a mandatory pit stop um, where Formula One used to call it the prime and the option, you generally have um, the what they call the the standard and the alternate strategy. So you you generally you qualify on the softest tire, and then you would start the race um, on either the soft or the hard tire. Generally, what they tend to do is run the softs for six laps, come in, stick the hards on, and go to the end. You're not allowed to stop in the first six laps in Formula Two. You have to go at least six laps before you can make that first pit stop. Um, and then you go around, race the race as normal, um, and then the top eight positions from the from the feature race then get reversed for the sprint race. So the sprint race, um, whoever finished first starts eighth, and whoever starts eighth, sorry, finished eighth starts first. So if you finish ninth, you're gonna be pretty pissed off because you're starting the the sprint race the next day in ninth. Oh, you stay in ninth. You stay in ninth. So ninth down to the back of the grid. You Stays. start where you finished the previous race, but yeah. if you if you if you win the race, you start eighth, and if you come eighth, then you end up starting on pole. Yeah, well, so the slight difference around, with Formula Three in that weekend is that they still have the 30 minutes qualifying, the same as Formula Two, but they have race one and race two. Now the reason it's not feature and sprint is because there are no pit stops in Formula in Formula Three. No, manda- no, no mandatory tires. pit stops. So obviously, if you get a puncher, you can change it. But Do there's they no tyre interest as well. Well, they have Pirelli tyres. But do they swap? Do they have the same issues with tyres? Of well, um... in Formula Three, they have to make the tyres go the entire race. Okay. But they're shorter races. They're only forty minutes. Nice. So race one and race two are both forty minutes with no mandatory pit stop and the second race race two in formula three is a reverse grid again the same as formula two except they go down to 10th so if you finish 11th in the in the race one you'll be starting 11th if you finish 10th you get pole oh wow and it reverses like that point system is different in both f2 and f3 it's just a very slight difference in f2 and f3 so both F2 and F3, if you get pole position, you get four points. Race mm-hmm. one is exactly the same point system as Formula One, 25, 18, 15, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, 1. Uh, fastest lap, you get two points for fastest lap. Uh, and that's points. only if you in the top 10. So that's exactly the same as Formula One, except you get two points for fastest lap instead of one. Yeah. And you get four points for pole, whereas in Formula One, you don't get anything. Which means your maximum points you can score in the first race of the weekend is 31 points. The sprint race, or the race two, respectively, for F3, is um, 15, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, 1. 
for the uh, sprint race. Fastest lap, again, two points. Uh, but for Formula 3, it's, again, slightly different. It's the, it's the top 10, again, 15, 12, 10, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 is the point system for Formula 3. So you've got a few more points available there. So maximum points of 17 available for the second race as well. So your maximum points all for one weekend is 48 points. That's quite a lot. It's a lot of points available. And that's um, obviously that's just for the drivers. They do have a Constructors' Championship, but it's called a Teams' Championship because they're not actually Constructors, because it's a spec yeah. series. They're just a team of people. Pit stops last a lot longer because they're only allowed one person working on each wheel, so they can't have these, you know, these whole teams of people swarming the car to do a pit stop in two seconds. And then uh, I'm not going to go through the list of the whole list of drivers, but uh, just ones that um, that stand out for me. Um, Sophie Flourish was the, if anyone saw, or Sophia, sorry, Flourish, if anyone saw the Macau Grand Prix in 2018, she was the driver that came into the first turn backwards in midair three feet off the ground and went into a camera gantry injuring um, basically herself <laughs> and some photographers. Um, hey. Look it up. Sophia, look it up, right? Sophia Flourish, Macau accident. It's it's scary. Um, other people of interest in there, David Schumacher. Is it cousin? Yes, it's cousin, isn't it? So David Schumacher is Mick Schumacher's cousin because it's, yeah. David Schumacher's Mick Schumacher's cousin, yeah. Yeah. Brother, yeah, yeah. Enzo Fittipaldi, I think it's Enzo Fittipaldi. Yeah, Enzo Fittipaldi. Yep, yeah. he is related to the Fittipaldi uh, meat grinder. Uh, I think that's it, really, of any any notable interest that I can see on that list. Yeah. They seem to have a different shape to the car. They've got quite a large inlet on the back on the back side of it. Yeah, it's an, it's, I think it's a really nice looking car. It's quite an aggressive looking car. It's got a lot more aero than it used to which is good, um, makes them good to drive. They can drive close as well because it's a spec series. So look at the cars. I'm just looking at Sophia's crash here. They've got a, um, they've got like, they're quite lovely. They're quite good looking cars. Yeah, that was the um, European Formula 3 car. So that was before, that was just before Formula 3 merged with GP3 to yeah. then become FIA Formula, International Formula 3. But I think they they seem I mean they do look like Formula 1 cars are they, are they now got halos and everything as well they do now yeah so everyone has a halo Formula 3 and Formula 2 do have halos now I don't believe there was a halo on that car I mean you've just no, seen was, the crash so was. yeah yeah that's pre-halo um, that was 2018 I think that crash was um, yeah, so moving on to the Formula 2 grid then. Uh, people of interest in there, quite a few more names in there really. Um, Luca Giotto is one to look out for. Um, he's uh, he's a very very intelligent racer. Um, has definitely got the talent, but doesn't really seem to have the backing. Nikita Mazepin, polar opposite. You mean doesn't has, have a rich daddy? Um, he really does. He's one of the ones that was linked oh, really? with buying Williams. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, so Nikita Mazepan, um, he's the opposite. He has all the backing and none of the talent. Uh, no, to be fair to him, he's, he's a reasonable racer, but I don't think he's anything special. Um, for Prima, um, Robert Schwartzman, definitely one to look out for, did incredibly well in F3 last year. Um, and his slightly unassuming, un, you know, no one's heard of his teammate. I believe it's Mick Schumacher or something like that. I have no idea who he is. Yeah, um, so all those talk about I him ending up in... I wonder if he's got any news about his dad. Yeah, probably not. Um, 
Nobody really. Giuliano Alessi, yeah, son of Jean Alessi, in the um, HWA race lab car. And Artem Markolov is one to really look out for. Russian, uh, mental, very, very good racer. He's great at overtaking. Uh, he's pretty, pretty wild. He's pretty wild on the on the track. He's very Max Max Verstappen in that in that sense. Uh, Nobuhara Matsushita for MP Motorsport, good racer there. Jack Aitken, British interest, driving for Campos. Pedro Pique, um for Charus. Tipped he may well end to, up. Is he related to thing about PK? Nelson PK. Yep. He's Nelson PK. He's the non-cheating son. All right. Um. Yuki Tsunoda for Carlin. I'd tip him to, to make it to Formula 1 purely because he's in a Red Bull Junior program mm-hmm. as well as Johan Daruvala. But Yuki Tsunoda being the fact that he is Japanese and Red Bull are powered by Honda. Yeah. He'll end up in there. Um, Christian Lungard in ART. Uh, Danish. Very highly rated. He may well end up making it to Formula One as well at some point. Sean Galeo has all of the money in the world. Indonesian KFC. His Hard dad to... owns the, his dad owns the Indonesian KFC franchise. <laughs> so Sean Galeo has all of the money is in it, the world. Is it the Indonesians? I can't remember. There's someone that, uh, or maybe it's Japanese that they have KFC at Christmas. Instead of Christmas dinner, they have KFC. Yeah, I've heard that before. I'm not is sure it where Indonesia? that's from. Indonesia? I can't remember where it's from, mm. but it's one of those guys. Anyway, yeah. just this non-story. Yeah, Dan Tictum also is Sean Galel's team, and I want to see Dan Tictum absolutely tearing Sean Galel apart because I rate Dan Tictum as a driver, and I do not rate Sean Galel at all. So really? I want to see Dan Tictum take him to the cleaners. Uh, Callum Eilot. Um, another British interest there in the Ferrari Junior Programme. Teammates with Guan Yu Zhou, who, again, is tipped with that Renault drive. It's going to be oh, quiet yeah. now, though, uh, given that they've got Vettel and Alonso are kind of like potential Flute. for that seat. So it depends. But Guan Yu Zhou is another option in there. I bet he's um, kicking himself now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian Lungard is on the Renault Junior Programme as well. So that's another, mm. that's another um, option there that, you know, it, it, this is the thing. This is... With Formula Two this year, when you see these guys out there, they are fighting for seats in Formula Two uh, in Formula One. I beg your pardon. So, if they if they do well this year, you could well see them ending up in Formula One. Last year's Formula Two Championship, Alex Albon finished third, Lando Norris finished second, George Russell won. Where are those three? Yeah, I wonder. I say last season, the season before. Yeah. Because they ended up in Formula One in 2019. So that's your your Formula Two. It's it the racing of Formula Two especially is excellent. It's um it's basically mini Formula One. So it it's really really interesting racing, really hard hard but fair racing, and definitely worth definitely worth a watch. I would say if if you can get hold of if you have if you have Sky or you can get hold of the highlights through through other legal means, then you need to watch them if you're a motorsport fan. Definitely, well, well worth the watch. Um, yeah, great. There we go. Cool. Uh, everyone can wake up now. Yeah. Sorry, I might, I might cut some of that out. It's a bit dull. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no. It's information that you need to know to understand the racing. Yeah. That that's the hard thing about it, and that's the the the, the problem with this with motorsport, unlike any other sport, is you have to understand the technicalities of everything and 
it's not like football where people can't barely understand the off- offside rule, but every other rule makes sense. There's a lot more rules, regulations, and a lot more team playing in this compared to any other sport that you ever have. Hmm. Um, and that's why you have to understand that if you want to put it in inverted commas, geekery. Because if you don't have any understanding of it, even a small amount, you're not really understanding why people are racing and winning races. Shall we? Oh, we've got some exciting news. We do, yeah. So next week will be our Formula One preview. Now, we've done it um, this way around because there's just so much to preview. Um, and also, any of you out there who listen to to the Formula One commentary and you hear, like, um, Ted Kravitz or, um, or David... David Croft or you know whatever network you listen to and they always come out with those with those really uh, really interesting little tidbits like um, oh if Sebastian Vettel wins today it'll be the 57th win from a German in Formula 1 you know that kind of thing um, those facts are normally fed to them by Mr. Virtual Statman Sean Kelly um, he is going to come on the show next week and do a Formula 1 preview with us he is super exciting yeah, he is an incredibly hilarious man. Um, just building him up. Um, yeah. He is. Uh, <laughs> Don't disappoint, no, Sean. Is. Yeah, Don't no, disappoint. he is. He's, um, he's he's very funny. I've I've heard a few interviews with him in the past, and if you look him up on on Twitter at Virtual Statman, you'll see some of the stuff he he comes out with. You just think, how does he know this stuff? And um, I haven't had a chance to ask him about this yet, but I'm going to put this out here now. If you have a stat that you think can stump Sean Kelly, the virtual stat man, then send it in to us through the normal methods. Through uh, You can either tweet it to us, uh, send it to us on Instagram or Facebook at MonkeySeatPod. You can go on the website, the shiny new website, and uh, go to the contact section and just send it in through there. Um, but send a send a stat to Sean Kelly and I will ask him live on air and I will well not live but I will ask him on air so and so from such and such has sent this question in can you uh, can you say to can you answer this stat so as uh, when I was talking to him as a as a reference I'll actually get my Twitter up and, and read this out um, read this out uh, verbatim how the conversation went. Yeah, I'm good at stuff post 1997, but only mainstream stats. I couldn't tell you who was the oldest drive, oldest driver to set a fastest lap in a Jordan, for example. And then he came straight back about 30 seconds later with, I think it was Bertrand Gascho, Hungary 1991, but I'd have to double check. Then two minutes later, um, he double checks. He, he, double he checks. then said, uh, "Jordan only scored two fastest laps. The other one being Fisichella in Barcelona in 1997. And Fis was really young at that time, so he probably wasn't the oldest. So <laughs> therefore, it was Bertrand Gasho. So there we go. Right, process of elimination. If you if you have a stat that you want that you want to test Sean live on air with, send it in to us, and I'll read it out to him, or Carl will read it out to him, and we will test him." to see how much he knows. So, yeah, do that for all the all all the uh, normal means. And uh what while we're there, let's just let's just talk about the um the website as well while we're here. Um, oh, yeah. so why is we, there been an update? That's there's the... been an update because I wanted to play a bit of a game. Uh we, we've been God, you sound like that yeah. guy from I uh, want Saw. to play a game. <laughs> um no, so we've um I wanted to run some things with this podcast, but obviously given that we have had no racing at all, um we haven't really had the chance to to do it. 
So now that we have some racing coming up, we're setting up an uh, an online prediction game. So it's going to be me versus Carl versus. I mean, Tom's just going to Tom's just going to think that it's, uh, Tom, uh, Tom's answer is going to be McLaren, 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 McLaren. <laughs> Mate, if I'm betting on McLaren, I'm not going to be getting a big return on my investment. Ooh! I am not going to be betting on McLaren. I'm just going to um, bet on so, Mercedes and Hamilton every time. Yeah. So what we're going to be doing is as is a prediction game. It's going to be me versus Carl versus whoever our guest is. If we don't have a guest, then we're going to be picking one of you who sends in your predictions um, as as the as Which the we've got a guest next and then we'll week also, and we've got a guest side by side with that run a complete online league yeah we've got guests the next three weeks so um, those people will always always be the guest there but send in your predictions anyway because um, we're going to have a live league with everyone including us and, and the guest as one individual entrant we'll all be in a big league table uh, and we have an amazing prize on offer of bragging rights yeah, unless if you, you win, want to then you it. get it. Yeah, unless you want to come and sponsor us, in which case we'll have some prizes. I'm waiting for Rocket to sponsor us. Yeah, so we Rocket haven't called mobile. us back. Yeah, yeah, they've got lots of disposable income now. They're not sponsoring Williams. Yeah, you know, they could give us like a mobile phone contract yeah. to give away to someone or something. Yeah. So the way this is going to work is on the website now. Just go go on the homepage. You'll see at the top it says predictions. Click on there, um, and it's 11 points available for each race weekend. So you will bet on <laughs> not pole. as much as F2 and F3. <laughs> no, pole, fastest lap, that's fastest race lap, and the three podium positions. One point for each correct answer. So if you get the pole sitter right, that's a point. If you get the fastest race lap, that's a point. Um, and which is going to be quite strange for this one, the first race, because everyone is slightly going in blind. Because yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Although we know. It, Testing was a long time ago. Some have sort of tested since then. It is it's a it's an open field and you can either go for your safe bets of Hamilton Vettel, you know, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Mm. I think Racing Point are gonna be interesting. I think Williams could weirdly be interesting. I think well Hatter's you know never gonna be interesting. This I is think almost be... like this is almost like you're previewing Formula One. No no. Yeah. Maybe leave that to next week. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. So yeah, I'm just saying, just announcing that. So uh, yeah, so it's one point for each correct answer, and then one point uh, for the podium positions as well. But two additional points per correct podium position. So if you were to say, for example, Hamilton, Bottas, Vettel, and then that's the correct three in that order, that's nine points. The rules are on the website. Yeah, if Vettel and Bottas are the other way around, so say you predict Hamilton, Bottas, Vettel, and it finishes Hamilton, Vettel, Bottas, then that's going to be five points positions to find after penalties have been handed out so for example if you if you bet on Hamilton to get pole and he's got a five place grid drop for it because he had to change a gearbox or whatever and then effectively he qualifies on pole but he starts sixth sorry you're not getting the point it's got to be um, the FIA um, the FIA published result is what we're going with not the not the position I have never so, seen Tom happier than the geekery of this spreadsheet. Oh yeah, it's fun. I had fun with the spreadsheet. Not quite as much fun as I had with another spreadsheet recently, which involved um, horizontal lookups and, and if statements and stuff. That's all very fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, so get on the website, send in your predictions. 
and we will if we don't have a guest on we will randomly pick somebody's prediction to go into the guest slot and we will let you know if you're going to go into that guest slot as well we may get some prizes we may not it just depends on if someone sponsors us so if you've got a got a company out there and you want us to plug the shit out of you and lick your posterior for the next year um thanking you for your prizes and plug plug your plug your company left right and center get in touch sponsor us and we will put some prizes out there for this i agree so that's our Um, game that we're going to be playing from next week our little game happy days um right should we do our top three we will not be having a top three for the next week the, so the next few weeks because we've yeah. got we're going to be running predictions uh, and predictions. reviews and previews and stuff it's going to be unless yeah. unless the races get cancelled it's going to be pretty mental so we're going to we shelve will, the top threes for now we will do top threes when we are not predicting races so yeah. there will be one in a few weeks time yeah we'll let you know the week before yeah as to what we do cool. so I feel like I've been talking forever so do you want to start yeah we are doing top three race principles no team principles slash team captains um and i've gone for the predictable the predictable being like you you're normally really jordan (laughs) i knew you would edmund 1971 he actually won his first car championship i didn't realize he was such a good racer Um, yeah he was he was actually quite a good racer and did quite well um born in dublin and moved down to Bray, which is South Dublin, Wicklow Mountains. Um, he actually tested for McLaren as well. It's a couple of tests yeah. for McLaren, which, you know, um, created Jordan in 1991, um, gave Huey his debut race. He did. Um, Spa 1992. And then Huey left <laughs> after one race. Well, it was actually a legal battle with uh, Benetton because yeah. Flavio Briatore was like, I want some of that. Yeah. And he basically wrestled him away because Jordan would only offer race by race contracts for financial reasons. They said, "Well, you've only got a race by race contract, so we're having him." Yeah. Um, so, um, and that you know, he Eddie Jordan did obviously his team has done very good. Um, did a lot with the budget they had, didn't they? Yeah. Um, the fact that they were in the in the hunt for the championship one season. Yeah as well um, like going into the last race yeah so i think it, it, it and then obviously there was a lot of turning and throwing and then the team got basically shafted by um quite a few different it got shafted by vodafone got shafted by who else was it shafted by um Benson Hedges obviously had to shrink their advertising because obviously they weren't gaining much out of it as mm. the rules changed. So, um, yeah, it's all a bit. Um, they were always a good-looking car, weren't they? And they yeah. uh, they kind of they made Formula One a bit more accessible to the to the armchair fans as well. And they they were the underdog that everyone would root for. Yeah, kind of like what Williams has turned into now, really. Uh, except without the except without the whole kind of making it more accessible yeah so sorry just, i have to just do something quickly work um related sorry that's fine um sorry yeah so i mean i i you know was he a good captain especially as he lost it all team as well as he lost it all but he'd started it up with nothing and in some ways uh, yeah nothing in the sense of he, it was a grassroots team 
you know. Yeah, he started uh, it from nothing. He came up from F2 or... Um, well, he came up from karting 3, himself. And, yeah. you know, I think he's a really interesting man. And, you know, I've, I, you know, I, he is Irish, so I've got a slight send up to him on that. But, you know, I think he's a very clever, very intuitive man. And I think he's just been shafted like a lot of people do by advertising. Do you know who else is up. Irish? Who? Virtual Statman, Sean Kelly. Oh, is he? Yeah. Well, he was is born in Ireland and then brought up in England, and now he lives in uh, California. Ah, where's where's he born? I've got to find that out. Ask him next week. Sean Kelly. Yeah. There we go. More Irishmen. Happy days. Excellent. Although cool. I wasn't born in Ireland, I just live here. Yeah. Um. Cool. Go on. You go with yours. Uh, yeah, so my first one I'm going to go with is non-Formula 1 related. Uh, my my one is Roger Penske. Of um, IndyCar. Yeah, um, and also of Formula 1. Well, he one. owns IndyCar now, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, this is the thing. This is why I've, I've put him in there, because he's um, he was a racer himself uh, in the 60s. Then he started his... Uh, started up Team Penske, which so is just. He was a racer in the sixties. He's what seventy something, seventy five. He is. Oh no, sorry. Was he a racer? No, I think that was when his was that his team raced in the sixties. Well, he's eighty three now. Jesus Christ! So he yeah, was born in, in thirty seven. So that would have put him. Yeah, no, it would have been yeah sixty one and sixty two. Yeah. I'm just yeah, I've just gone to his Wikipedia. I didn't page. realize yeah. he was as old. Yeah. Um, that's his Formula One racing. He raced in Formula One in 1961 and 1962. Wow. Uh, his um, He set up Team Penske, which is by far the most successful team in IndyCar. Um, IndyCar champions in, shall I go for all of these? 1977, no. 78, 79, 81, 82, 83, 85, 88. Yeah, okay, keep going. Uh, Indianapolis 500 victories in 72, 79, 81, 84, 85. Yeah, keep going. There's just loads of them. Um, he's had winners like in IndyCar um, all the way through the years. Every year he's had winners in IndyCar, I think, looking through this list here. It doesn't look like there's any years that they haven't won. Um NASCAR Cup season, uh, series champions in various years, Daytona 500 victories, NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, Supercar champion. Say so did a did a Formula One did a Formula One project as well at one point, although that was fairly ill-fated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, just even in his twilight years now, he's still pushing. He's bought the entire IndyCar franchise. He already owned the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and just kind of just built up from literally nothing up until this this massive powerhouse in American racing. Yeah. So for me, he's up there as uh, one of the, he has to be up there as one of the top team principals because he's a team owner because he's just done it all. There's nothing in racing he hasn't done. So he has to be on that list. I agree. It sounds like quite a interesting character. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about him because I'm not, um, I'm not sort of, um, I'm not into IndyCar as much yet. But you know, he's a very interesting character, and I'm glad he owns, he owns it, and he seems to be doing a good reasoning for opening it. 
are owning it. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a yeah. Um, it it feels like he wants to own it for the right reasons. Yeah, he's definitely doing good things for IndyCar. Right, shall I go for the next one? Go for it. I've gone MotoGP, and Kazuhiko Yamano. Yamano. You really I have do. a problem with names, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. I never realised how much of a problem with names. Um, he's he was in 2010 HRC's um, team director. Um, he started off as a mechanic, um, and that is quite strange within sport within motor racing full stop to go up to team principals a lot come via the aerodynamic and engineering side and not from the mechanics sort of side um although mechanics do spend a lot of time with drivers um he um and which that's why i find him quite interesting was that and also he's sort of stayed with honda and has been the go-to man for honda joined um Joined Honda in 1983, um, and then joined HRC in 1984, um, and was the team manager between 2008 and 2009 for a Repsol Honda team. So he's the Honda racing team. Um, with Danny Pedrosa was the racer, um, and there was another one I can't think of his name now. Um, and and d- didn't do too well. I just found it interesting. The guy, I know this sounds a bit weird, but I just find him interesting that he's he's just come out the mechanical side and he's come from a small town, nothing sort of thing, and he's not doesn't come from that aerodynamic, highly in, intelligent engineering side, mm. but from a more interesting mechanical side. And I suppose actually in bike world, the mechanics are probably more stronger than the engineering. Because yeah. the bike doesn't have that much aerodynamic worries, because it is what it yeah. is. Well, it's got no downforce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got no downforce. So, you know, so I just found that interesting, and 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 I think he's uh, really and just as a person of color, if you will, I found that him being one of the more interesting characters of that. I I felt we had to put something in with that mm. as we were talking about earlier. So. Um, I don't know what he's doing now. He was the HRC team director in 2010, but I haven't seen him recently. Um, so I do wonder, but there we go. Excellent. Okay, well, I can't have a top three about a McLaren-based one. So, you know, go on. let's go with it. Um, yep, it's Ron Dennis. He gets a really bad rap uh, for for what um, for how things ended. kind of ended with McLaren. and um, But... He he changed the game completely. The reason he's up there as a top one for me is because he came into McLaren in the uh, in the eighties, I believe it was. Yeah, nineteen eighties. He took over from Teddy Long, was it? Um, but McLaren were just kind of a fish out of water. They would occasionally build a good car, occasionally win races and championships, but there was no kind of plan there. They were working out of a shed somewhere. It was, and then he his vision for McLaren was this data-driven, perfect perfection is the minimum kind of approach. Yeah. He was he was a micromanager, absolutely. Uh, sorry, it's Teddy Mayer, not Teddy Long. Um, and uh, yeah, he was a micromanager, which was quite divisive 
in like kind of the the um, run by committee method, which eventually saw him out of McLaren. Um, but he he just completely changed the game for setting standards of what people would have to achieve. He let he went into the end of the 80s with Alan Prost, Ayrton Senna, you know, winning all those championships with, with those two drivers, and then following on from that, Mika Hakkinen, you know, growing Lewis Hamilton in his back garden, uh, and then turning him into an <laughs> F1 driver. Um, you know, he was genetically modified to be a McLaren driver um, from birth. You know, he almost had a world championship with Mika, sorry, with Kimi Raikkonen, should have had a world championship with Kimi Raikkonen, really. Um, should have had multiple world championships with Fernando Alonso, but then Spygate happened. Um, and left McLaren to... Um, I remember an interview of him saying he want, he wanted to leave McLaren and then watch them winning whilst at home. But he never really left because he was just always in the background because things weren't being run the way Ron wanted them run. So he was always still hanging around as chairman and CEO of McLaren Group, but not yeah. the F1 team. He left Martin Whitmarsh in charge, came back to McLaren because he didn't like how Whitmarsh was running it and ousted him. But unfortunately, a lot of people didn't like that. Yeah. And um, it didn't really didn't really work out for him in the end. And he ended up being bought out and basically asked to leave the group and then removed from McLaren, which is a really sad end to a great legacy from Ron Dennis because he did so much for the group uh, and so much for the team. But yeah. he will, no matter how it ended, he will always have changed the game yeah. for for team principles and teams and how and how they are supposed to be run. Which is important. Yeah. Uh, cool. Right. Um, my final one. Again, I've gone really obvious. All right. Ross Braun. Yeah, fair enough. Um, eight constructors championship and eight drivers championships under his belt that he had not not that he was team principal for but that he had a significant role in um, again um, it seems to be a running theme but re- was responsible for Schumacher's rise in Ferrari um, and and, and Benetton and, and Benetton well Benetton, he started off at Benetton and then to Ferrari yeah, he was part of the dream team that got yeah. bought by Ferrari. I mean, Rawnet GP itself um, that he funded with Hon- with an ex um, Honda teammate, and because he when he went, he was working at Honda at that point, um, mm. and sort of Honda left, and they wanted to have the team. Um, brought Hamilton into the real sort of Mercedes world, and brought en- the Mercedes engines into the game as well. Um, which I thought was quite important before they got bought out. Um, left under quite a, a sort of a, a dark cloud because he was kind of, of pushed aside, wasn't he? Yeah, because of how um, Toto Wolf and um, what's his name, Nicky Lauda, Nicky Lauda were, you know, and you know, and just. Obviously, there are two big egos in there, and, and Ron Dennis is a third. I don't know if that was such a good idea. Ross um, Ross, sorry, yeah. Ross was, yeah. Braun was a third. Um, I don't know that. I, what I'm intrigued about is to why he never went to McLaren. I th- there was, he was linked was to McLaren. Yeah. 
I think, well, he, he wanted to, his quotes were always, I want to go off and go fishing. Yeah. So he was, he was fishing for like three years. Um, yeah. Maybe he had his eye on the sport as a whole. Maybe he didn't want that day-to-day management back again, but now he's running the sport as a whole. I mean, we discussed, you know, the yeah. other day when I thought he was like 106 or whatever, it turned out he was only 60. 65. But yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, I think he probably wanted the slower life uh, and yeah. just, you know, it's it's a lot to to be involved in Formula One at the level that he was involved with for so long, and with the success that he's had, it must be hard to remotivate yourself. Michael Schumacher yeah. never won anything under anyone but Ross Braun. Yeah, I yeah, I just think I th- I, th- I just find him really interesting character, and he's he's definitely someone I'd love to read an autobiography about. He does have a book out. Does he? Never knew yep. that. I'm gonna have yep. to look it up now. I think he um, he brought it out just before he took over the sport. Oh, really? So it's uh, it's so pre. Does that cover his his race that his own team and things? I think so. Yeah, yeah I'm Ross pretty sure because it it came, it came out after he left the sport. So. Oh yeah, but hang on. Total competition. Lessons and strategy. Is that what it's Formula called? Formula One. Oh Jesus Christ! Actually, it's an audio book. Maybe I'll listen to that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I was looking at that one as well at some point. I I almost got that, but I I downloaded um, Jensen Button's one instead because <laughs> I only have one credit a month from Audible. Yeah, same. So. I've got that. Um, well, I, well I, there is another book that I'd love to read, and I know going off. Um, How to Build a Car: The Autobiography of the World's Greatest Formula One Designer. I think that'd be really geeky and interesting. Book. Yeah. Who was who was that again? Uh... Was that Adrian Newey? Adrian Newey, yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a really interesting... Really geeky one. Really geeky. But I think it would be really interesting. So uh, my last one is the guy sorry. who ousted him. Uh, what? Um, Toto Wolf. Toto Wolf. Yeah. Uh, Ray I don't S- like Toto Wolf, and I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe just because I think he's another Hamilton. He's just got a big ego. <laughs> well, for me, the only reason that he's there for me is is more just because of what he's achieved in such a short period of time. I think he will probably end. He may well end up like succeeding Ross Brawl, the, the head of Formula One, or I I don't know what's going to happen. But I think he's. I think he'll probably end up be you know leaving Formula One fairly soon but what he's achieved in such a short period of time he was a racer through and through um, wanted to be a racer himself but he was just far too tall didn't quite have the talent uh, but he was a great businessman as well yeah and then you know made his own money came into uh, he, he got the he got the nod to work for Williams work kind of worked his way up through Williams was instrumental in Claire Williams taking over as uh, deputy team principal, you know, like like or a hater, um, Carl shaking his head. Um, I it's no yeah. Um, he was uh, he he was instrumental in what made Williams great. I mean, there's no reason why he left Williams in what 2012 and 2013 that kind of time period, and Williams got very good in 2014. That's partly down to Toto Wolff. And what yeah. he achieved there, he oh, goes to Mercedes, and he he, is he, he had he in the time he's been at Mercedes, he has beaten all of Ross Braun's records for Ferrari. He's still one behind Ross Braun in total, but he's won seven constructors championships and seven drivers championships wow. with Mercedes in eight years. And that first year, the car was pretty was a bit of a dog. Yeah. Um, just 
it's just really what he's achieved and the way that he's galvanized the team around him and created this this safe space for his employees to to make mistakes and to learn from them and the no blame culture you know you got the you got the ferrari culture of um if you make a mistake blame a head will roll yeah blame everyone sack everyone um that doesn't happen at mercedes and that's why people tend to stay i mean we said about how they've they've lost their their top engine guy um i did a bit more googling on the top engine guy you know that lad that we mentioned oh, last lad. week that, that lad, lad that lad that we couldn't remember his name um turns out he was like really heavily involved in in the engines through formula one like the the all beating ford cosworth uh, the the BMW oh, engine that was like 50 horsepower better than anyone else, and is uh, he, he? It's very clear that he's a very talented person, and he will be sorely missed at Mercedes. Yeah. But given that the the engine regulations have only got minor updates going to be allowed between now and 2026, so, and yeah. when the new engine formula comes in and they're going to be completely frozen fairly soon i think he's picked the right time to go because his legacy will live on in that engine for the next few yeah. years because they can't change much in it which means his job is kind of it's kind of been his his job has kind of been uh made less important so that's probably why he's gone i don't see him after reading more about him i don't see him going to another team i Do really you know, don't you just think no. he's retired yeah, well, I don't think he's retiring. I think he's going on to do, like, supercar projects or, you know, saloon car projects, that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, really, Total War for me is more just because of what he's achieved in such a short period of time. That's why he's up there. I did have honourable mentions as well for um, for Ross Braun, um, for Gene Haas as well, for doing it across multiple disciplines. Um, and who was the other one I had on there? Christian Horner was another one I had on there. Um, just, again, just what he did with a soft drinks manufacturer. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I did go through these, and I went Christian Horner, and I did go Tutu Wolf, and Ross Braun, and even the crazy, even Where's Wally. Um, <laughs> Binotto, no, you're all right. <laughs> um, but, it, no, but Binotto, although, you know, he's done well. Ferrari have done well. Well, they did do well, and they've secured their history you know um but even i i know i was even thinking about claire williams and just that position of where she is that must be quite hard and yeah i what is interesting with this discussion was how what uh, what what are you trying to claim as being the best team manager one that wings everything one that looks like it the team is succeeding but might not be ringing races. I guess it's out one where the drivers stay it's so hard to try and answer that for question. me it's more outperforming what you should achieve in the in the stuff in you know with, with what you have and that's why I had Toto up there so I find yeah how you manage how you just find the best manager is quite hard yeah um, I feel no matter what depending on what definitions and what yeah it's just kind of out outperforming what you have available to you really yeah. i think which then pushes out toto wolf and well no because it's corner purely because they have got everything they've got the well world. they have now from what he's built really i think you know ross braun laid down all the groundwork and then toto wolf took it to the next level 
with the help of Nicky Lauda. Yeah. You know, Nicky Lauda was instrumental in bringing yeah. Hamilton to that team. And as I, as I was saying yeah. about the way that he's he's built the, the team and made the team feel wanted and safe and able to make those mistakes. And it's so hard to retain a championship in Formula One. And the fact yeah. that he has retained six championships that's that yeah. beaten you know the the all dominant ferrari of the of the early 2000s you know where they they probably should have won it in 99 and then won it consecutively up until 2005 no one ever thought that was going to be matched yeah. and now all of a sudden hamilton's on six world championships and you know mercedes yeah. have, have won the last six you know one yeah. with rosberg and five yeah. of hamilton and potentially more yeah they are they are an amazing yeah. team as much as I despise them, you know, I, I think I despise them for their greatness. It's jealousy, isn't it? Superiority. It is jealousy. Yeah. It is jealousy. If only I had all those millions of yeah. pounds. To but after, for me, after after watching Schumacher winning race after race after race after race, and then seeing Vettel in the Red Bull just dominating for for four years and nearly taking yeah. Jensen's title as well in 2009 I always said um, I will never moan about a sustained period of a British driver dominating the sport no matter how boring it gets I will not complain about it because I've had some, like my entire adult life of <laughs> Germans winning everything not because I'm racist against Germans just because they're not British and I'm very no, patriotic I just wanted to see some British success. And now we're yeah. stuck But I am at the point now where I, I want Hamilton to take Schumacher's records just because he is the only person that's ever going to be able to do that in in my in my lifetime, I think. A, yeah. But then after that, I'm fine with Mercedes falling away. I'm fine with Hamilton falling away. I'm fine. You know, I'd like to see Hamilton go to another team and win a couple of races I for another team I'm, and, you know, kind of go out on a I'm high. Quite, I'm quite of the opinion that Max Verstappen will be the next Hamilton. Oh, not so much. No, well, I'm going to yeah. put it out there. Anyway, on that note, shall we finish? Yeah, we'll save that debate for next week, shall we? Cool. Yeah. All right. Yes. Um, right. I shall speak to you next week. Thank you and for we'll, listening. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.